NetCredit is here to say yes to a personal loan or line of credit when other lenders say no. Apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day. If approved, applications are typically funded the next business day or sooner. Loans offered by NetCredit or lending partner banks and serviced by NetCredit. Application subject to review and approval. Learn more at netcredit.com slash partner. NetCredit. Credit to the people. Hey, Fidelity. How can I remember to invest every month? With the Fidelity app, you can choose a schedule and set up recurring investments in stocks and ETFs. Oh, that sounds easier than I thought. You got this. Yeah, I do. Now, where did I put my keys? You will find them where you left them. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE SIPC. I'm Claire Fallon. And I'm Emma Gray. And this is Love to See It, an obsessively detailed recap podcast about reality dating shows like The Bachelor and other pop culture that makes us laugh, cry, and curse the patriarchy. We can't live with these shows and we can't live without them, but we can break down every juicy moment and unpack all the weird messages these shows send us about love, sex, and dating. Welcome to Love to See It, a podcast about dating shows set in the Regency era and dating shows set on islands, temptation islands to be precise. Ooh la la. And of course, a podcast about dating shows that happen to be on hiatus right now. So we naturally have a bunch of Bachelor news and gossip to get into. And we're joined for Bachelor Gossip today by, as Dumois would put it, former model and current executive assistant, and also, we have to say, A-plus TikTok maker, Lexi Stout. Lexi, thanks for joining us. Hi, A-plus TikTok. That's, like, very, I love that. (laughs) I love your TikTok. You're an inspiration to your fellow millennials, like me. I just need to find, people just love New York apartments, so now I kind of have to, like, redecorate it, I think. Because that's the only thing, like, they don't even like me. They just like my apartment. So if that's, if that's working, then I oh, think I have to Okay, move. this is the kind of content I need to start making. Yeah. I need a tutorial from you. I, like, really, I've been trying. It's not been successful. It all feels like a lot of effort. So I just really, like, aspire yeah. to be, like, my fellow millennials that have gotten into the TikTok game uh, and just really gone for it. I aspire to be liked primarily for my apartment, but no one would look at my apartment and be like, I really like her. So that's something <laughs> for need, me to reach all for. All you need is an apartment with exposed brick and stairs. And people think, like, it's so <sighs> expensive and it's the coolest place ever. And I'm like, actually, my rent is very cheap, but... Oh my God. Everyone aspires to live in the flex. And you got a deal out here already, just humble bragging on the (laughs) podcast. You know, a real estate (laughs) rental deal in New York is like a fucking diamond in the rough. You have to. (laughs) You really do. You really do. But we have a lot to get into. Um, I just also want to say that coming soon, but not quite yet today, we will be doing a recap of the Bachelor live 
show, which I saw on Saturday night, and it was a surreal experience, (laughs) to put it lightly. Also, witnessed some very interesting fan behavior, so there'll be some gossip attached to that one, too. But... Yeah, the camera is turning on Bachelor Nation. (laughs) (laughs) You will have to you will have to wait a little bit of time for that, but we will be taping that soon. I actually didn't make Bachelor Live because, as you might be able to tell from my voice, I am extremely sick. I got a daycare cold from my son, (laughs) and I'm just like a wretched ball of snot right now. So I personally can't wait to hear Emma describe what went down (laughs) at Bachelor Live. That's exciting, Bachelor Live. I can't believe they're doing it. I mean, Lexi, I saw you right before I went to Bachelor Live uh, at a birthday party. Did you? Because I barely saw myself. I was not <laughs> not well. I mean, may- maybe you were a mirage. I don't know. But um, there was some, like, I feel like some weird shit going on around us. Like a random British man singing Les Mis. Oh, that did happen. They tried to set me up with him, and I was like... Absolutely not. Not happening. This does sort of sound like a dream. I was open to it. I mean, a British man in London, that's an easy commute, you know? We can make it work, but he was a little... He Just enough distance, I say. Oh, for sure. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, of course, Lexi, feel free. If you think of any little tidbits of Bachelor gossip that you've just absorbed by osmosis out into the world feel free to cut in but we're going to go through some news items that have been been reported out first we want to wish congratulations to former bachelorette andy dorfman yeah she's engaged wow yeah the season 10 bachelorette for those who didn't start watching uh until more recent seasons she was the bachelorette and she got engaged to her boyfriend, Blaine Hart. It was like a, a seaside proposal at sunset. And I kind of didn't know she was dating someone that seriously. I think that she had just posted that she had a boyfriend in November. And she didn't, like, reveal his identity in the post. Um, and they seems like they kind of got serious just last year. But they are engaged. He gave her a giant ring that you can see very close-up pictures of, and they're, like, people spread. It has the the halos that, like, I was like, this is reminiscent of a Neil Lane. Is it Neil Lane? I, <laughs> I wonder. Do you think, she's think like, she, like, got a deal? She's like, only she's like, go bud. to Neil Lane and remember <laughs> <Yeah>. my past. <laughs> I think if you escape marrying the person that you got engaged to on the show, you can never go back to Neil Lane. You're no. like, well, <laughs> You're my like, love story fell apart, <laughs> but at least I don't have to wear a Neil Lane ring forever. You know, I can level up a little bit. What's the rule for uh, for posting your significant other as like a pseudo celeb? I don't like people wait so long to post that. You're. I, I think it's very calculated. Like, I think some people might just want it out there, like. Katie Thurston and her current boyfriend, John Hersey, who we'll talk about in a second, they were very much like, we just want it out there as soon as possible so we don't have to be in hiding. Someone like Andy, I kind of get it because she could be out and about with this non-famous guy. Right. And like, no one, like, what would anyone really say? So there wasn't really as much of a pressure on her to like put it out there and then sort of start that demand from her followers. Yeah, that's true. 
Like, are you still engaged? Are you still dating? Yeah. Do you still have a boyfriend? She's not, like, in the scene of the gossip scene as much anymore now that all the narratives from her season are so long ago. And, like, she's dating this nice, normal, handsome, bearded guy who works in commercial real estate. And Oh, my God. Goals. Sign me up. Yeah. And wants to get <laughs> married in, in Italy. So, yeah. love that for them. Oh, I looked this up. Apparently, they used the, they picked the ring together and they used the same jeweler who made an engagement ring for Andy's mother. Aww. Oh, that's actually really that's cute. So that just gave me goosebumps. That's so nice. <sighs> that's so cute. And I, I have to say, I have actually met Andy's mother a few times, and she's like the sweetest woman. <sighs> I'm so glad she's she's happy because we all read the book about how her engagement to Josh Murray went after her season of The Bachelorette, and I wanted better for her. Yeah, absolutely. So speaking of <laughs> bachelorettes who ended up in happier relationships after the show. Let's talk about John Hersey and Katie Thurston. Uh, Katie was the Bachelorette last year. And as we have discussed before on the show, got engaged to Blake Moynes. And then after a couple months, they broke up and posted publicly that it was very mutual and amicable. But then she almost immediately did a, a big social media blitz announcing that she was now dating one of the other guys from her season who went home week two, John Hersey, which is all, you know, it was kind of messy, but they have seemed really happy. They they post a lot about their their relationship and the adventures they have together. And then they went on Caitlin Bristow's podcast, Off the Vine, this week. This was such an odd interview. Like... In some ways, it was like, this couple seems so sweet. They seem great together. They seem genuinely happy. I fully believe that. I fully believe that, like, this is a better relationship and a better match than she had with Blake Moynes. But the tone of the interview was just a little off to me. Like, first of all, they made a big thing of, like, this is our love story. But then were very clear that they would not be sharing exactly how they got together or the exact timeline of that relationship. I mean, the second week, you don't even, I feel like production is just telling you who to get rid of because you don't, they don't see a, a connection. She, oh, she did fully explain that what happened on the show and okay. why he was sent home. She said that she had had like an initial spark with him when he first came in. But then by the time she got to talk to him, he was just really stiff and awkward on camera. And she was immediately like, oh, this guy goes to the bottom of the list. Like, right. send him home. I mean, it's got to be He hard. was just really bad on camera. Oh, that is totally understandable. And I think that actually makes sense that you would meet someone after and be like, this is a better match. Yeah. There's not pressure. But the confusing part is that because they got together romantically so close to when she broke up with Blake... Um, and then Blake was not given a heads up that she was dating John and would be going public with it. Um, there was speculation that may or may not be true that, like, there perhaps was some at least emotional overlap between these two relationships. Katie and John have insisted this isn't the case. But then I found it weird to be, like, the tea about exactly how we got together will not be spilled. Like, you're almost implying there's something more there. Right. But also, people always know. post breakups, like, later. Like, I don't know. I, I'll go do something, and then I'll just take a picture, and I'll post it later. So maybe, like, they broke up, you know, a month before, but didn't know how to express it. And then during that month, she started dating her new boyfriend. 
But I don't know. I feel like everything is calculated. Everything is calculated. Yeah. I think the, the the interesting thing about the breakup is that that's, like, pretty well documented because they were so newly the, the final couple. Mm-hmm. They had just come off the show. So, like, Katie was making her sort of bachelorette rounds. She was dipping her toe into stand-up comedy, and Blake was being very supportive. And sort of they were speaking to the press about how they were making their relationship work. And then for, like, three days after one of those interviews— for them to announce their breakup. It's hard to see how much slack there was yeah. in and the they've timeline. Both been pretty, like, Blake has sort of dated when the breakup happened. Mm-hmm. Like, it, they posted maybe, it was maybe a, a week after it had happened. But yeah. it was not that much. To, but no. So, so the really weird thing, I think, the thing that got a lot of attention for this interview was that John made a claim about Blake that took people, I think, off guard because around the time that Katie and John announced their relationship, Blake went on another Bachelor Nation podcast uh, with Brian Abasolo and Mike Johnson and said, you know, wow, like, I, I didn't know this was coming. I had no idea this was happening. Like, it's very confusing and hard to see how quickly she started dating this friend of hers that I trusted completely. It's hard not to feel like maybe there was some sort of emotional cheating, but like, I don't know. Just sort of a very raw emotional reaction very quickly after the events. And in this interview now, months later, John says, uh, well, I think Blake was capitalizing on the situation by making those comments. And he's like, oh, that I understood. Like, you know, I liked Blake, but like that... Uh, I was disappointed, but then I understood, like, oh, he's just capitalizing on the situation by by making it's these comments to capitalize. That's what I mean. That's what I mean. Like everything is calculated that comes out. Like think about Chris Jenner. I mean, she's killing it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't disagree, but I did feel like this was sort of out of line. Like I don't think that it's weird. So the way the Blake interview also had come out was that he had done an entire interview for the podcast before this news had come out. And then they called him back, like literally immediately after it had come out because they knew that the, the, their episode was going to come out after this news had come out. And so they're like, well, we got to like update this interview. And so they spoke to him like really right after he found out and he had gotten no heads up, which I criticized at the time because I just thought from a PR perspective, like you, as you're saying, you know what's going to come from a big announcement on social media. Like, you know that your ex is going to be kind of dragged back into the press as a result. Like, you only broke up very recently. Um, So I had found that odd. And I had found Blake's interview to actually be, like, pretty generous. And he didn't say, like, I know that I was cheated on. He was just like, I'm confused and I didn't really have a heads up about this and I am feeling hurt, but I, you know, it was, it was very, it was very raw. And so I find it weird that John would imply that it was more calculated and like, like, I don't really know what exactly, I mean, I guess he could be gaining sympathy, but like, I don't know. The whole, the whole thing was such a mess at the time. And like, Katie didn't even really seem to know what kind of response her social media activity was going to get that 
I don't know. It feels like a stretch to me. I mean, to, to me, the thing that just seems weirdest is that, like, they are on a podcast talking about this months later and now, you know, trying to spin the narrative in a different direction. So, like, it just takes a certain amount of, like, nerve to me to to claim that someone else is capitalizing by answering some interview questions about a very emotional event that just happened to them when you're still kind of trying to make hay about it on a podcast many months later. Like, I don't know. It's just like, if it's all calculated, then like, you're doing it too, you know? So I think that's a good To call it out in someone else almost seems in poor taste to me at that point. It's like, you're all doing the same shit. You're all doing the same shit. And also, like, if you want to really, like, come out on top, like, look, you're in a happy relationship. Just be like, that was an emotional time. We want to move forward. We're, like, happy. We're living together now, which they talked about. But they seem guilty. They seem guilty of something. If that interview was, like, a little tense. Right. Like, it's, doth protest too much, you know? Like, that's. Yeah. I don't know. It was a weird vibe. And I wish the best for them, but I was not impressed. I thought that comment by John was just unnecessary and didn't really accomplish what he wanted it to. I'm sure some people received it and were like, yeah, you know what? Blake was <laughs> capitalizing on it and I'm on this team. But yeah, I, I don't I don't know if that was the move. It's just like... The quicker you guys stop talking about Blake, then the quicker we will all forget what happened. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Bachelor Nation has a very short um, memory. Like, yeah. People are on the happy Katie and happy John train. Don't even bring Blake up again. Yeah. We've cycled through like so many dozens of new cast members already this year. Like, we don't have the time or the mental space to be storing all these beefs. I used to watch the show and I think that. It's so weird because I used to know so many people, but now that I haven't watched it in years, the people that are coming out of it, I'm kind of like, they all look the same as they used to, but I I don't know any of them. So it's just so (laughs) weird. Like this weekend meeting a few of them, I was like, it's so weird that like, I've never seen your face before because I'm so used to recognizing Bachelor contestants. Lexi, I literally do this for a living. And there were people there that I fully was like, have I seen you? Like all the faces just blur together and if you have been off my tv screens for even a few months i'm like who are you you look vaguely familiar are you a friend of mine i met seven years ago like oh i saw you on reality tv like no memory of who you are yeah and there's a million of them and that's why they're all so thirsty and trying to capitalize all the time because they know this is like a huge opportunity but there's also so much competition and it's going to be so easy for them to get like absorbed back into like the mass of people that you'll look at and be like, were they getting out of a limo once on my TV? I don't, maybe they just sort of look like that. Uh, but exactly. <laughs> we have to move on, though, to a very juicy Dumois rumor, which I will say Claire, like, screenshotted this one and sent it to me late at night. She was so excited to be able to identify this blind. The only reason that I wanted to include this is because I wanted to brag. Like, Dumas rumors <laughs> obviously take with such a boulder of salt. Like, I don't really believe this happened, per se. But I was just so excited that I knew what it was. The rumor is basically that uh, a reality star who recently gave birth on the East Coast in a hospital there 
threw a fit because she couldn't bring in private photographers and that she like assumed (laughs) that her family would be able to pull some strings for her. And I looked at that and I was like, I feel like this is about Ashley I. Kennedy. And (laughs) that does seem to be the consensus. Ashley I. fairly recently gave birth in Virginia, I believe at the hospital her father works at. Yes. It's all kind of tracking. And And so whoever sent this in, like, I don't know if I believe that it's true or not, but they definitely wanted us to be able to figure out who it was. Yeah, but she also (laughs) said she was going, I can't believe I know this, but I was creeping on her recently, but she also said that she purposely moved home because she wanted to be with her family when she gave birth, right? Yeah. Like she she wanted to be with them. Don't they live in Rhode Island or something? They don't live in Virginia. Yeah, they definitely moved. Yeah, they live in Rhode Island. Yeah, yeah the, she she moved there to be with her parents for for the, the event birth. and and at that hospital. Which like I would do the same thing if my parent worked in a hospital. Oh yeah, for be, sure. It's like giving birth is so terrifying and vulnerable, and you're surrounded by strangers. And like, I would have just loved to have my dad just swing on through and scrub and yeah. be her like, dad? "I'm taking care of you." Her dad didn't, um, like, he's not an OBGYN. Yeah, no, he's not an obstetrician. I, so. I think he's a no. plastic surgeon, okay. is my memory from, or something of that nature. He's not an obstetrician. Okay. But still, like, they would be around, yeah. you know, they'd That's have the connections. Also, um, I'm sorry, I do, I, I do believe that it is not completely out of the realm of possibility that someone from The Bachelor would be like, I need to to have a private photographer come in <laughs> post-birth. Uh, that's true. I'm 50-50 <laughs> like, on whether I'm it selling happens. these <laughs> exclusively to people, and I need a professional. Yeah. COVID be damned. <laughs> and it is such a thing, like, the hospital photography. Like, the hospitals, I don't know if they even do this now because of COVID, but there was a hospital photographer when I gave birth, and they basically just are like, I'll come do, like, a photo session, and there's a rate for the for getting the photos um, and I'll just come by at a certain time. And wouldn't you rather like hire a photographer that you're comfortable with to do a really yeah. glam shoot for you? Um, <laughs> we did get the, the hospital photos cause I could not resist and I look like hell and <laughs> all of them obviously, but my son looks really adorable. But yeah, I'm, I'm sure that like that was so such a normal thing before COVID and now it's harder. I don't know. I'm 50-50. I just don't trust Dumois because anyone could just be like... You could put I anything mean, yeah, in. You never know. Yeah. Like you mine, could put mine was fake. Mine was not real. <laughs> <laughs> See, so so you know. Like, you know that we can't trust this. And yet, uh, it could have happened. Um, I think it let's, let's talk about Bachelor in Paradise because we were, we were a little concerned that we hadn't heard any rumblings of Bachelor in Paradise and according to some Bachelor gossip accounts, I think Zachary Reality posted that it is definitely on for 2022. And we'll be taping this summer and we'll probably start airing in September. And apparently, Wells Adams is set to host, which I think is a good, a good move. Wells has been there, you know, bartending for a while. And he sort of low-key took on some hosting duties when they had the rotating set of hosts last year. I feel like it was almost like his testing ground. And I think that this is a a good move for them. I love that they will kind of take these former contestants and like elevate them a little bit within the franchise, like have them on to do special segments or to be the bartender. 
but then keep them in that role for long enough, they start to get offended and insulted (laughs) and are like, really, am I just the bartender? Are you ever going to let me host Bachelor in Paradise? And then they're like, all right. Once you've begged, like, we'll do it. (laughs) Exactly. They know their power. Zachary Reality also reported some people that we will probably be seeing in Paradise. Um, Apparently, on the guy's side, Olu from Michelle's season, Justin Glaze from Katie's season, um, Mikey from Katie's season, Andrew S. from Katie's season, Pardeep from Katie's season, Brandon from Michelle's season, Rodney from Michelle's season, and Casey from Michelle's season are all apparently set to go on. In terms of the women, it's all Clayton's women, Teddy, Serene, Sierra, Shanae, Cassidy, Mara, and Marlena are all going. And allegedly, Elizabeth was not invited. I, like, kind of can't believe this. I know. I'm kind of, like, the fact that they brought Shanae back, but not Elizabeth, it really makes me think that Elizabeth did something to really put producers off. Right. It seems really odd that they, she like, she had a lot of fan support because the, the feud with Shanae seemed so unprovoked. And, you know, the mockery of her ADHD from Shanae, um, she garnered a lot of sympathy. Like, she's beautiful. Like, why wouldn't they want her to to replay that conflict on the beach? That's, like, their bread and butter. The only thing I can think of is that she's just They They unpleasant. don't want to work with her. <laughs> yeah. But all the other women seem to love her. That's what's weird. That's what's weird. Like, yeah, I think Elizabeth came off pretty well. I mean, she had people who, sure, didn't like her. But overall, like, she got along with all the women in the house Um, She got a lot of fan support. So I personally am really surprised. We did hear that she had a segment on Women Tell All that was not good. And so it got completely cut from the final edit. So I wonder if they were just like, that was kind of your tryout. You didn't perform. We don't want to work with you for whatever reason. But I was really shocked by that. We also, Zachary Reality also reported that Sarah from Clayton season was invited, but she declined. Yeah. Um, yeah. Understandable. She was probably like, is Mara coming? No, thank you. <laughs> she was like, I don't want to be put through the ringer again, which fair enough. Um, he also reported that they are trying really hard to get Aaron Clancy and Blake Moynes on Paradise. So, yeah, I don't know. I guess we'll see. It sounds like it's going to be kind of wild. Are they done bringing people from older seasons? Because these are, like, all recent people. Usually the people that they report first are the newest people. Yeah. And then they probably, they like, pull from older seasons to kind of, like, round it out, I think. Yeah, I think those are the people that fans are most currently engaged with. Because, again, the memory is very short. So That's true. everyone wants to know if their latest faves are going to be there. Um and but I'm sure with Aaron, like the minute that he was mentioned at Women Tell All, because he had been in the DMs of Shanae, and also he had been flirting or hanging out with Genevieve, who is another woman from Clayton's season in person. Who I bet I bet we'll see her. I there bet we'll too. see Genevieve. And they'll at least get some conflict with Shanae that way. But so he got brought up at Women Tell All, and I'm sure that completely sealed his invite to paradise because he's already creating like 
drama between the ladies, <laughs> and he's not even on the beach yet. They love that. I'm very excited. It's my favorite. It's it's the most fun and carefree part of the franchise. Oh my god, yeah. Bring it on. I'm ready. I'm ready for just like hot idiots on the beach <laughs> making out with each other. I love it. If you're gonna have hot idiots, they should be on the beach, in my opinion. It's their they don't even have air conditioning habitat. there, right? Like it's it's like No, cool. no. It's, it's really sounds it is certainly not luxurious. Let's put it that way. It's so They're weird. Like on bunk beds in an unair conditioned, like rotunda. I feel like for years they've been doing this thing that's like, oh, it has to be that miserable for the audio quality. But we've seen enough hot weather dating shows where they're not all this sweaty and miserable all the time that I question whether it's not just a psychological torture technique. It's probably to just good break to them. like make them like they probably spiral when they're sweating. Like, I know I go into, like, a full... I'm like, fuck my life. I need to get out of here. One woman, uh, Taj Wan, has literally quit the show twice because she was too hot. So, (laughs) and I related to that. I respect. Yeah, I would do that. Really respected that. Um, let's, Let's talk about Bachelorette because we do have a couple updates about how they're handling this two Bachelorette season. Um, as well as some casting news. I think last week we discussed that Reality Steve had posted very confidently that Connor B, also known as Connor the Cat from Katie's season, would be joining the the show, that he'd be, like, crashing it a few episodes in. And Connor posted basically being like, that's not true. And Reality Steve did finally admit that he was wrong about that. I don't know where he, like, gets, like, it's, like, how... He just, he always speaks with such confidence and then is just, like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, that was wrong. Like, okay, tone, maybe tone it down a little, Steve. But he did give us some tidbits on how this two bachelorette structure might look. Um, he confirmed that there was a first night rose ceremony and perhaps there were fewer eliminations than normal just to kind of keep the numbers up for longer, which makes sense because you have two women dating these guys. Um, He also reported that for the next few episodes, they're going to be doing, like, one group date, and then, which, like, I guess both women will attend, and then each bachelorette will get a separate one-on-one, which that's a structure that makes sense to me. Yeah, I actually wonder if it will make the group dates a little bit more manageable that— the whole group won't be trying. Like, to have a, a a full group date week one of dates is, like, so many guys. It's, like, 20 guys. But if they're kind of split into two groups or kind of dividing their attentions between two women, it might not be as overwhelming. I think it might be more, more fun to watch, honestly. Yeah. Um, Reality Steve also reported that when they get to hometowns, they're be, they'll be going to a split crew, which means that they will be filming those hometowns separately and um, simultaneously. And he reported that each woman will be getting three or four hometown dates, which is interesting because this is different from what Zachary Reality had reported, which is that each woman would get two. Which so, do you guys think sounds more miserable? <laughs> Watching eight group dates, eight hometown dates... Or each woman only getting two hometown dates. I feel like they should split the difference and go with three each. 
I don't know if I can watch six hometown dates, but <laughs> I, I think it dates, seems more fair. They're brutal. Because parents are they so are honest. Brutal. They're like, you've known this person for four days. What the hell is going on? <laughs> please don't. Please do not get engaged. What are you doing? There's six episodes I, of all the parents on camera just aggressively questioning the concept of the show that you spend hours watching every no, week. No, I mean, oh, it's God. so true. Like, my friend Olivia, when she was on Ben's season, she's like, I probably spent four minutes with him and I told him I loved him. Like, it's just like a mind fuck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Poor <laughs> Olivia has been very, um, as we appreciate, brutally, brutally honest about the psychological toll of... Of the show. And in fairness to Olivia, it seems like a lot of people on Ben's season had difficulty not just saying I love you to everyone they had a conversation <laughs> with, including Ben. So this is true. Something was in the water. <laughs> but this does bring us to the end of our gossip and news segment. Lexi, it has been a delight. Love having you on. Thank love you your for having me. Delightful insights. And please come back. I will. If you want to, you know, watch some Temptation Island or some courtship, come back and talk to us about it. Or if you want to give The Bachelor another try uh, when we come back for Bachelorette. Maybe I will. Maybe I'll jump back in. A two-Bachelorette season sounds like a great opportunity to recommit yourself. It's new. It's new. So I'm looking forward to it. Exactly. (laughs) Maybe. And with that, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back to talk about the courtship. Can you keep up? I like love it. Okay, so you got engaged. Congrats. Now you may be wondering what comes next. If you're planning a wedding, the first thing you need to know about is Zola. With Zola, you can plan your entire wedding in one convenient place. From the day you get engaged and search for the venue to the day you send out your save the dates, make your registry, and even taste your cake. Zola has literally everything you need to make the whole process super easy and actually even enjoyable. There's even a five-star app that helps you plan on the go or, you know, from your couch, which is certainly how, uh, if I was planning a wedding, I would definitely want to do it as loungily as possible. <laughs> so important. I also just know myself. I I know that planning any kind of event, like even a birthday party, can get very stressful. And so it's been really cool to see friends use Zola. It really seems to make everything a lot less stressful. And as a frequent wedding attender. I love to be able to hop on that Zola registry and just purchase a gift. Easy peasy. I know I've done it. I won't forget. Thank you, Zola. Yeah, everything's all in the same place. It's perfect. Start planning at Zola.com. That's Z-O-L-A.com. I am so glad that it's finally warming up. And it also means that I just want to have fun this summer and I don't want to be worrying about meal prep. And luckily... I can do something about that with Factor, especially because they have so many meal options like Protein Plus, Keto, Vegetarian, something for every diet. Their fresh, never frozen meals are ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every single week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Make your whole day delicious. From breakfast to dessert, stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. I love having a few factor meals just sitting in my fridge, especially because I work from home. 
It's so nice to finish up a taping and not have to figure out what to cook myself. Just look in my fridge and be like, oh, in two minutes, I can be eating mushroom chicken thighs and wild rice or tomato basil chicken risotto or Santa Fe style green chili beef skillet. And they always have a nice like vegetable side. It feels well-balanced. I feel full after, and it's not a headache at all. Head to factormeals.com slash LTSI50 and use code LTSI50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code LTSI50 at factormeals.com slash LTSI50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Anyone who's been listening to this podcast for a while or even not that long knows that we love article. I mean, honestly, I'm looking around my home right now. Coffee tables from article. That lovely chair out on my deck. Article. Our big console. Article. My bed frame. Article. This is an article household. It is. And it's, I mean, it was an inspiration to me. We finally got our first article piece of furniture recently, our new couch. And my husband and I are both constantly just like, how did we live before this couch? This is such an improvement over what we had before. It's so comfortable. It just seems to get more comfortable every day. I mean, it's the couch you dream of. And the reason that we have both been able to find ideal furniture on Article is because Article believes in delightful design for every home. And thanks to their online-only model, they have some really delightful prices, too. Their curated assortment of mid-century modern, coastal, industrial, Scandi, and boho designs makes furniture shopping simple. And their team of designers are all about finding that perfect balance between style, quality, and price because we all want the best of all of those three things united in one piece of furniture, right? Plus, they're dedicated to thoughtful craftsmanship that stands the test of time and, you know, looks good doing it. Article is offering our listeners $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. To claim, visit article.com slash LTSI, and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com slash LTSI for $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. And we're back, and it's time to talk about a hallowed game. Mm. The game, of course, of cricket. Mm. That you have your family, you have your queen, and then there's cricket, and they're basically the same level of importance. That rule is from Jane Austen, yes. right? Like she mm-hmm. definitely, she definitely laid that out very extensively. The men of Jane Austen novels were constantly playing cricket. You know, Mr. Darcy's famous scene where he just hits the wicket with the ball and thus wins the game for his team. Um, I I do think cricket (laughs) is, like, mentioned in Northanger Abbey. (laughs) But I actually don't think that adult men played a lot of ball sports in the Regency era. I feel like... They were doing more like hunting and cricket was maybe yeah. more for children. I'm I'm not an expert here, but they do make it sound like there was a lot of um, flirting over hearty games of adult cricket. And I don't really yeah, think that like, That happens. is just simply not something I recall from Sense and Sensibility. <laughs> uh, maybe that's just me. But here in the world of the courtship, episode three... It is very important. Yes. And it, I understand they want to mix it up. They want to have different activities. And I will say, 
Cricket Day looks beautiful. You know, it gets it them all does. outside onto the green, grassy lawn. The sky is blue and sunny. There are handsome men in their shirt sleeves talking about wickets. I mean, they look great. This gives, you know, Ms. Remy and her court the opportunity to wear some very beautiful uh, era-appropriate empire waist gowns. (laughs) I loved Ms. Remy's look for this date. She's wearing, and yes, it seems sort of period-appropriate. It has an empire waist and puff sleeves. It's sort of a, a rosy pink dress, and she knots up her skirt so that she can really get into the sport. Um, and we all know that would have been a bit scandalous back in the Regency days, but she's a modern woman. I have to say, as the season goes on, the rest of the court seems to be in more consistently in the same gowns. I don't think they have as much selection as Ms. Remy, and they're, like, very neon. Like, I have... <laughs> questions about the colors that they're putting like Mrs. Baker and Miss Cleary in. Miss Remy is in even just her more like demure like matronly look is violent neon pistachio which (laughs) I didn't know was a color but at least it's a solid. (laughs) Miss Baker uh, Mrs. Baker and Miss Cleary have been wearing a slightly softer shade of neon pistachio, but with a very dark pink floral pattern. They're different fabrics, but they're very similar. They're sort of band matching. Yeah, it's very intense. And I think you put this in the notes, and I agree. You're like, is this the reality TV version of making the bridesmaids wear unflattering dresses? And like, yes. Yes, I think it absolutely is. They're like, let's be clear. This hot woman is the center of attention. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> the outfits don't seem to work on Mr. Safa, who forgets yeah. what show he's on. His but... homing beacon for dirty blonde hair can see past <laughs> any unflattering floral print. That's oh, his superpower. So for this game of cricket, Ms. Remy and her sister are made the team captains. So they get to select teams. And, you know, Mr. Mumbre is the number one pick because, yeah. of course— He's English, and thus is the only one who knows the rules of cricket in the entire group. Yeah, no one else appears to have ever heard of cricket. I think when they learn about the game, uh, Ms. Remy is like, are they on horses? And Mrs. Baker is like, no, that's polo. That's polo. (laughs) One of the dudes is like, my sport is more like beer pong, which... Okay, sir. When they find out they're playing a game also, Mr. Cones is just so consistent. His brand is just, I love food. And he's like, (laughs) I don't really know cricket, but I'm going to be competitive no matter what it is, whether it's sports or like a buffet or like an eating contest. (laughs) Yes. He's just like, I am trying. I really miss binge eating fast food he's like i miss old country that's buffet. what i want yeah it's li- it's like he's like literally trying to think of scenarios where you're competitive and somehow two out of the three scenarios he comes up with involve eating and i don't think that most of us have such strong associations with competitiveness and eating <laughs> but he just associates everything this is with a eating. really a sign that they these people are not being well fed enough i know they're like it's all like, i'm worried beef, tea and and <laughs> tiny sandwiches and um, um, so since no one else knows the rules, Mr. Mumbre does get picked first. Um, I, I mean, there are other countries where people play cricket, but none of them seem to be represented. It's mostly Americans. It's mostly Americans. And, and so they just 
yeah. again, are are mostly um, educated in the ways of American football and beer pong, <laughs> not cricket. Mr. Bocchicchio is sort of left to sweat. So ultimately, he does end up on Ms. Remy's team, but he is her last pick. He is second to last overall. She wants him to step up because they had that good first date. And she's like, now he's just maybe going to rest on his laurels. Sitting and I can't on, yeah, exactly. <laughs> And so there are, there are various men coming into this date with a really clear plan to impress Ms. Remy. Mr. Bokikio sees that she is not giving him special attention. He's like, I'm going to really have to step up my attentions to her. When she picks him, he actually goes up to her and just, like, leans in for a kiss, which I don't think she didn't want, but she really wasn't expecting it. So it was very awkward. <laughs> and the other men did not care for that whatsoever. But we also have Mr. Mumbre and Captain Kim, who both were on the dance card last week and are determined to really impress Ms. Remy with their specific attention to her so that they won't be on the dance card again. And we also have Mr. Castronovo, who was picked last. Poor Mr. Castronovo. Functionally not picked at all by virtue of being picked last. And his plan is to just get in the way of Captain Kim impressing Ms. Remy so that he can be eliminated this week, and thus he'll have one fewer competitor. I really love how bad these guys are at strategy and the fact that they're not really well-versed in the world of reality TV, so they just, like, in all of their to-the-direct-to-camera like, interviews are just like, this is my strategy, it's very clear. Let me lay it out for you. And and it's like terrible and also very overt. Yeah. There these are not these are not your high level players like you might no. get on The Bachelor. And even, you know, on The Bachelorette, they're usually not that sophisticated, but this is a new low. Like to to be in 2022, you know, competing on a dating reality show and to be like I know the obvious good strategy here is to noticeably pick on a guy so that he won't have a chance with the lead, that that is going to advance my interests with her. Also, a guy that's not even actually a threat because he has been in, like, the bottom of the pile, like, every time. Right. It's like someone's going to get sent home this week. Why do you think that ensuring that this guy who hasn't been doing well gets sent home specifically is going to advance your interests? Someone's getting sent home. So, like... You don't need it to be this person that you've deemed not a it's good It's a competitor. very bad and also ineffective strategy. Right. He's like, I'm going to make sure people get sent home. It's like, no, dude, that's the structure. They're going to get sent home. Like, don't even worry about that. It's built in. Um, and some of the other guys aren't trying that hard. Mr. Chapman is just, he has been living that van life. He hasn't been in the same place for longer than a week in, like, years, apparently. And he also really misses football. Yeah. So he's like, finally, I'm in the same place. I'm able to bond with these other men through sport, and it's just bringing me back to my youth. And so he's not giving Ms. Remy the attention that she needs. She's like, he's just focused on like growing out and playing cricket. And I don't want him to think that just because he's hot and can play cricket that I'm going to fall in love with him. So as the game progresses, should we should we tell people the rules of cricket? Uh, I think I think we should. Basically, sure. someone bowls a ball, and then another person on the other team has a cricket bat, and they try to hit 
hit the ball. And if they get like a home run, they automatically score six runs. But if they just hit it a shorter way, they have to run back and forth between the wickets. And each time they run between the wickets, that's a run. And they can do that until a fielder taps the wicket with the I'm ball. I'm not going to lie, Claire. I, it's unimportant to me. The rules of cricket, I will not be committing them to memory. This was like my sixth time trying to learn the rules of cricket. And I was like, there this are runs the and there I are wickets. <laughs> and that's, you know, It is the fine. origin of the, the phrase, a sticky wicket, which I still don't understand in context. But... Mm. You know, I've tried to learn the rules before. This is the closest I've ever gotten. And so I wanted to show off. Please don't tell me I, how wrong I was. No, I am really impressed with you. <laughs> um, and you can impress me because I have no knowledge and refuse to commit any, really most rules of all sports to memory. I just simply don't care. That's fair. Something I was noticing was Mr. Safa. Mm. Who is, as I texted you earlier, the biggest lunkhead, which with the greatest, just like I am a tall white guy audacity that I have simply ever seen on TV. It's incredible. He moves through the world completely oblivious to the impression that he is making on those around him. And uh, it's a thing of beauty to behold. So during one of the many lemonade breaks in the game, Mr. Safa sits down for a chat with Miss Cleary, who is, of course, Ms. Remy's best friend. And Mrs. Baker looks over and notices that Mr. Safa is paying quite a bit of attention to Miss Cleary and, quote, she looks absolutely bored out of her mind. Which, so, <laughs> look, she does. She does. Even a gl- yeah, a glance, this is the level of boredom. A, someone casually glancing from afar is like, oh, that woman is obviously not into this conversation. <laughs> but in the world of Mr. Safa, any woman that he speaks to is obsessed with him. He, he has no need for things like social cues, <laughs> the flow of conversation, give and take. No, 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 no. He just knows I'm tall. I'm tall. Six five, That's, depending I'm, on I'm what tall. shoes I'm wearing. And yeah. he has the the long blonde hair, which I'm sure he thinks is quite impressive. And what could they possibly even be talking about? Uh, wonders Mrs. Baker. And cut to a close-up on Mr. <laughs> Safa telling Miss Cleary that he loves, quote, shooting from the hip and quote, screwing it and doing it. Well, Miss Cleary, Cleary looks <laughs> like her. She is just, like, disassociated. <laughs> She's like, I can't believe that this is happening right now. We're all enjoying a lovely day of lemonade, and I have to listen to this guy talk about screwing it and doing it for 45 minutes. She's doing that, like, woman thing of just trying to be like, yes, yes, and to try to move the conversation forward, because, like, what else are you going to do when someone's sitting right there and talking at your face? And he clearly takes her, like, distant nodding and saying things like, ah, yes, um, so spontaneous? You're spontaneous? And, and he's, he's like, like yeah, he's you like, really hit the nail me. on the head. She's like, she's listening. She gets it. Um, I wrote, this man thinks that his hair and shoulders are a replacement for a personality. It is so true. But it does very quickly become clear that he is, in fact, trying to hit on Miss Cleary. He's like, it's been a while since I've had some alone time with, quote, 
an attractive young person. Which sounds creepy, by the way. Like sounds so he's creepy. like, I'm not he's like I'm not into men or women that I've been hanging out with. <laughs> I'm not into men or women. I'm exclusively into the young. Like, okay. <laughs> what are you trying to say? Do you think say? that is a point in your favor, sir? <laughs> And Miss Cleary, again, is very obviously not impressed. And so she just wants to sort of bait him to say the thing. Yeah. So she's like, oh, is Nicole your your normal type? And he's like, no. He says, uh, not right off the get. <laughs> and she's like, okay, so who do you usually go for? And he pauses for a long time, trying to think of the right words. While he but was pausing, I li- literally thought he's going to say blondes. He's going to say blondes. He's definitely going yes. to say blondes. And, and then he says, more of like a blonde, like dirty blonde type. He's like, I love variety. Blondes, dirty blondes. Dirty blondes you know, he's, just a real diverse slate of, of various women. He's such And Miss Cleary is just like, again, her face falls. She's just like, this man is repellent. <laughs> and so she asks the final question, which is, do you see yourself with Nicole after this? And he, again, the lack of strategy. He's just like, no. <laughs> like, sir, what do you think is going to happen once you're like, I have zero interest in the woman I'm supposed to be dating? It's clear that she's asking these questions that are like, my friend that you purport to be interested in, are you interested in her? Are you leading her on? Like, are you fucking her over? He's like, she's really excited to hear that I might be more interested in someone like her instead of her friend that I'm dating. Like, she's real. She's probably really flattered. She just wants to know if I am in love with her. And like, yeah, I would. I would deign to fuck you, Miss Cleary. Like, he just assumes that this is going really well for him when anyone with a brain can see that it's not. <laughs> Afterward, he reflects to the camera, like, well, you know, I am feeling things from his Cleary, so I'm just going to have to find the right balance between the two ladies going forward. <laughs> he has no idea what's happening right now. No, and then, of course, some of the other dudes have seen this happening. So when they're all, like, sitting in their quarters together, chatting later, he's like, yeah, I, like, I felt some stuff for Miss Cleary. And I think she's into it. And meanwhile, they're intercutting this with Miss Cleary and Mrs. Baker being like, Ms. Remy, you need to run. <laughs> he said all these things, and it was very fucked up. <laughs> He's like, yeah, when I told her I was into blondes, she was like, hell yeah. And meanwhile, Miss Cleary's like, he said he was into blondes. Like, can you imagine that piece of trash? Uh, so Miss Savage, Mr. Savage doesn't know what's awaiting him. But before the farewell ball, it's time for... The, the one-on-one date of the week. This show is so Bachelor. Like, they truly use all the vocabulary of The Bachelor. Like, you don't have to call it a one-on-one date. It's like, they were like, I guess we'll call it... It's a date for two, just the two of them. It's just the laziest construction of a show. They were like, Bridgerton and The Bachelor. What more do we need? We do not need to think this through at all beyond that. It's it's interesting because I I feel like they could have come up with a sort of cute little like regency style way to describe her getting alone time with a man like you know something that wasn't just completely ripped from the bachelor but like she's going to go on a call with him or some like sort of just strange sort of reference you know or like yeah it's just completely no effort is made to hide the bachelor skeleton that this is all plastered over. But she does send an invitation 
to Mr. Holland, who was actually the person who scored the winning runs for his Ooh. team on the game. And he didn't get the the uh, MVP award that went to Mr. Mumbre, but he is now getting his, his truest reward of all. I mean, this is a much better reward than a random trophy, I think. Yeah. So they are going to go horseback riding. They both wear some very voluminous, full-skirted, burgundy riding coats. And Ms. Remy is like, ah, you're like the Duke of Hastings. Again, <laughs> a Bridgerton show. Just fully a Bridgerton show. Right. Mr. Darcy never rode up to any any scene wearing, like, a burgundy riding cloak with, like, 15 flounces on the shoulders. <laughs> this is Duke of Hastings' behavior right here. And they get on their horses, <laughs> which have minds of their own, as horses always do uh, on, on dating shows, and s- somehow manage to mosey on up to their destination. They're at a little sort of overlook where there's a temple. This was actually interesting to me because... Because at, at the time, like, it was actually very um, fashionable for wealthy people on their grounds to build little faux temples or ruins or buildings that didn't serve much of a purpose. They were more just for visual interest in the garden. And I think that's what this was. And it, they were often called, like, follies. Um, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Also, a listener wrote in to point out that where this show is filmed is actually where they filmed um, the Duke of Hastings grounds oh, on Bridgerton. Yeah. Interesting. I I did look it up, um, too. I didn't know that they filmed that part of Bridgerton there. But apparently this estate has, like, a whole list of little, like, faux ruins that you can go see. That's this so This one is funny. called, like, the Temple of the Four Winds or something. And they have it decorated with, like, fresh flowers on the stairs. And there are all these little, like, Roman statues and they sit on the grass and have a little picnic. And this is when we get the, you know, emotional resonance of this date, the emotional center of this date. Mr. Holland says, you know, he's a teacher. He works with children. That's really in a really important part of his life. And perhaps the most important part of his life is that he has a one-year-old daughter named Zaya. And Ms. Remy, as she does, is a very empathetic person. She's a great listener. She's a great conversationalist. And she is immediately just like, you're so strong. I definitely want kids myself. And I could see myself, you know, entering a part of your family. And it was very sweet. Yeah, it was beautiful. Um, And I did think it was sort of funny that they kept cutting it together. Like, he was like, I love kids. I'm a teacher. So I have something to tell. So I have a kid. (laughs) So I have, you have a kid because you're a teacher. Um, You're legally obligated, by the way. (laughs) You cannot become a teacher unless you have children of your own. (laughs) Just like the way that the show, like, edited together those teases. I was like. (laughs) I have a lot of editing notes for the show, but we we don't have time to get into all of those. No, um, but. They have this very sweet moment, and then they kiss, and they do some dancing. Not, not I would say, Regency-style dancing. Uh, it's more contemporary. Um, and have, have a little fun together. And then he sweeps her off her feet and carries her off. And um, I noted a lot of leg this episode. I don't think that they stocked her with chemises and stockings. Because whenever <laughs> the dress is pulled up, it's just like, you know. 
Nicole that would be a, a scandal. modern woman. She would be She ruined. wants to show a little leg. <laughs> Who can blame her? They're they're beautiful. You want your future husband to see those legs. Exactly. And suddenly it's time for the farewell ball. I really can't get used to how short these episodes are. I'm used to two to four hours of content per episode. <laughs> I know. It's really incredible. I'm like, oh, one day. Oh, right. Okay. They're getting <laughs> sent home. Wow. But I honestly, it's really nice. Yeah. But it's also, it's interesting. I'm just realizing because it's not just that it's shorter than two hours. It's that it's not cut for a streaming service. It's cut for TV because it it airs on TV. And so it's actually like 40 minutes. It's 40 minutes, yeah. Which is so much less than, I, I feel like a lot of dating shows will be like an hour per episode. But you're losing a good chunk of that for ads. Yeah, and exactly. And so here we are. It's time for the farewell ball. And once again, Ms. Ms. Remy is back in red carpet couture. She's got a beautiful, fluttery, ice blue gown with like a plunging neckline. I loved it. It was, it was really pretty. And on the dance card this week, Mr. Chapman, Mr. Shanklin, Mr. King, Mr. Safa, and Mr. Castronovo. He's been hoist on his own petard, I, yeah, as they Mr. say. Mr. Castronovo. You're done fucked up. (laughs) But first, we get a really satisfying moment with Mr. Safa. Ms. Remy gets like one step into her dance with him. And she's like, you know what? No, I can't dance with you. I just need to yell at you with or not even yell at you. I need to deliver this appropriately harsh feedback to you without any distractions. And I, I really loved this for her. And she was like, look, I know you're not here for me. I know you're into my friend and you should have left if you weren't into me. She's like, it's fine if you're not attracted to me, but then you shouldn't be here. And I sent someone home who did have feelings for me and kept you around. And she starts to say like, it's nothing. And then she pauses and stands up for herself, which I loved. She says, no, it's not nothing. It's my heart. Yes. Go Nicole. Yeah. I loved that. Um, I love that she caught herself kind of minimizing her feelings yeah. in that moment and decided to value them them more. And after she's done talking, she's like, you can say something if you want. And he's like, I just hope and pray that you find what you're looking for. Like, fuck you, dude. How does it was like, so condescending to say, sound, I'm so sorry I wasted your time. Right. There's no apology. There's just this sort of dis, like condescending, disdainful sounding, like good luck finding what you're looking for. Like I'm sure she won't have a hard time finding someone better than you, buddy. Exactly. Oh, and then again, the fucking audacity of this man on his way out. He tries to hit on Miss Cleary again. Again, Does he not understand why this is happening? It's clearly because Miss Cleary sold him out, as she should have. Like, does he not understand that he's getting sent home because Miss Cleary was loyal to her friend instead of being like, I'm excited to get to know Mr. Safa better? She was like, you need to get rid of this dirtbag? This man understands nothing. Nothing. I can't... So he sidles up to her and he's like, is it possible for me to... uh, and Ms. Remy cuts him off. She's like, you don't need to talk to her. And Mrs. Baker is like, yeah, we're just going to walk you out. And she escorts him to and the door. And Tessa's just looking, like, straight ahead, like, not making eye contact with him. Yeah, she's, she's like, like we're exist. not a thing. Like, we don't need to have a conversation. Um, 
as he exits, Mr. Saffa gives his little in-the-moment interview in which he, I, I couldn't make heads or tails of this, he weeps and says, you can't have a testimonial without being tested. And I've like, been through some fuck? tests. Sir, you've <laughs> been through no tests. Also, like, who said that you were going to have a testimonial? Like, I don't understand what where are you talking the beginning about? of that premise came from. And he was tested, I guess, by being near a dirty blonde. And that was very difficult I mean, for that him. is that is challenging. And then he's like, this has been very inspiring. I'm very inspired. Inspired to what? Clearly not inspired to apologize. This guy's a dick. I'm glad he went home. Yeah. And so with the trash taken out, it's time to have the other four dances. I have to say, Ms. Remy is getting pretty good at dancing while doing her feedback. Like, it's still very um, progress report with your manager and content, but it's sounding Impressive. sounding like less hard work to deliver. She's really nailing her, mo- her moves. I'm really impressed by the rapid progress. This is my progress report for Ms. Remy. <laughs> And so she dances with Mr. Chapman, and she's basically like, you're hot, but I need you to make more moments with me. I find you in the room. You should come find me in the room. And he's like, yeah, you got it. Mrs. Baker, like, swoons at this. She's like, oh. I know. <laughs> uh, and then she dances with Mr. Shanklin and tells him that they have a nice friendship, but he needs to make it more romantic. And her dad is like, I'd love to hear him sing a song to her again. No, no. Mr. Remy, no, absolutely not. We do not encourage Mr. Shanklin to sing. Yeah. Less singing. That's going to be a hard no. We the, the, That's a rule this season. We do not encourage Mr. Shanklin to sing. <laughs> and she allows him to stay uh, as well. Uh, she tells Mr. Castronovo that she's not feeling butterflies or passion with him. And he says he wants to show her that he's the man who will be able to take care of her for the rest of her life. And she's like, well, show me some Italian passion. And he's like, you got it. So he stays and he considers this a wake-up call that maybe you shouldn't be trying to eliminate other dudes, but maybe focus on impressing Miss Remy. I mean, I agree. Bad strategy, dude. I, but I was honestly shaken that Mr. Shanklin and Mr. Castronovo stayed. So this just leaves us with poor, sweet Mr. King, who is beloved by everyone, including the the family, the court, but who obviously knows that he's, he's going to be going home because someone else has to. And before the dance even starts, he starts choking up, and then everyone else starts crying too, devastating it's very emotional um you know he can't even start the dance because he's trying to gather himself and he's apologizing and she's like don't apologize for crying and like i hope what you take away from this is that you should feel all your emotions and he says you know he's they're hugging he's like this is crazy like i just met you but i haven't dated someone in two years and meeting you allowed me to believe there's someone out there as good as you And he says he hopes she finds love. And, you know, she's different. She's better than the other women out there. I was like, ouch, Mr. King. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Women are great. Uh, But seriously, um, it's very, it's a very emotional goodbye. And 
they, you know, the last conversation that we really saw them have was a very painful and emotional one about his recent loss of his mother and his brother and um, just everything that he had been through as a child uh, coming from, you know, from a difficult background and then going through so much loss. And so she is really feeling the pain of, of now disappointing him in this moment. And, and he's clearly having a lot brought up by this elimination as well. Mm. It was heartbreaking. And with that, there are just nine suitors left, except wait a minute, two more hot dudes walking through the ballroom door. What? Twist. (laughs) And I guess we will get to meet them next week. And on that note, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back to talk about a batshit dating show, Temptation Island. Can you keep up? I like love it. Springtime vibes are in the air. And when you bring in some of the beautiful flowers that are blooming, you probably want to smell the flowers, not the litter box. But thanks to Pretty Litter, you'll be able to smell those spring flowers all you want. Nothing beats Pretty Litter's ability to instantly trap odors. It's ultra absorbent, it's lightweight, low dust, and one six-pound bag works for up to a month. Pretty Litter's crystals change color to indicate early signs of potential illnesses in your cat. And if all of that wasn't enough, Pretty Litter ships free right to your door. You'll never run out, you won't have huge kitty litter bags taking up space, and even better, you won't have to lug those huge tubs from the store to your car or the subway and into your house. Our producer Talon has been using Pretty Litter and he just raves about how great it is, how easy it is to scoop, how much better it smells. I mean, the health monitor aspect gives so much peace of mind. He's a big fan and we know that you will be too. Go to prettylitter.com slash LTSI to save 20% on your first order and Get a free cat toy. That's prettylitter.com slash LTSI to save 20% on your first order and get a free cat toy. Prettylitter.com slash LTSI. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. Oh, I'm so happy the weather is finally turning. If you, like me, have been wanting to update your wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune, then Quince is for you. You can build up a lineup of timeless pieces that will keep you looking effortlessly chic year after year. Like premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings right on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices, as well as premium fabrics and finishes. I love Quince for all these staples. I mean, linen is my favorite summer fabric. They have so many amazing linen staples. I also found my new go-to like summer running around to the playground in the coffee shop bag. It's the pebbled Italian leather front sling bag. I can just fit a wallet and my phone and my AirPods in it, maybe some lip balm. Absolutely perfect. I'm so obsessed with it. And the price, 
was exactly what I wanted to. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash LTSI for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash LTSI to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash LTSI. And we're back. And, you know, this was a challenging thing for us to do. We're diving into Temptation Island. We don't have much time, so it's not going to be a very thorough discussion. But it was brought to our attention that the fourth season of the current iteration of Temptation Island recently began airing. I think there are three episodes out right now. And I was like, you know what? I've never watched Temptation Island. It sounds bananas. Let's just watch those first three. Yeah, exactly. We are waiting in this off season and we are here to diversify (laughs) our reality dating content. So hopefully this is as fun for all of you as it has been for us to dive into this show. I actually never watched Temptation Island. Like I've known what it was because it loomed really large in its initial iteration um, back when there were just a lot fewer reality shows and specifically Mm -hmm. reality dating shows, but I never got into it. And I haven't really gotten into it since it's been back. But this, I I was inspired to watch the first handful of episodes of season four and I'm in, I'm in, I mean, I'm an easy mark. I've changed so much since the first season of Temptation Island, you know, all the way back in, oh my gosh, when was season one? Was it like 2003? Yeah, it was, it was... 2001, I think, actually. Yeah. And so I was 13 and (laughs) I wasn't really able to watch that much TV. And I don't think Temptation Island would have been a sanctioned exception to that. Um, But I also was just like such a little like prude and was very like, oh my God, like just so gross and trashy. And like society is going down the tubes that like... (laughs) (laughs) These couples are going to go, like, have sex with other people on an island. And, like, that's sick. Like, who would broadcast that? And now here I am. I'm 33 and thriving. And I'm like, I definitely want to watch these couples hook up with other people and then yell at each other. Oh, my God. It is is true, like, schadenfreude reality television. Yeah. It's really – I do think that a big part of the appeal is supposed to be, like, aren't you glad that – that's not you. That's not you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm just going to say that these, this entire like subgenre of reality dating shows gives me such anxiety because I'm just like, why would you do this? Oh my God. If you want any chance of actually being in this relationship, like why would you go on this? Or do you just all hate each other? I really can't tell. I think that was both of our big question going into this as two people who had never watched it was like, why do people do this? Like, it doesn't, like, you're in a relationship and you maybe want to stay together. Why would you invite your partner to cheat on you and be filmed? Like, how does this happen? And so I was, I think we both went in really looking for answers. Yeah, absolutely. So the basic premise of Temptation Island is that we have four couples who are there to test their relationship by splitting up by gender and living communally with some hot singles of the opposite gender to potentially explore connections and potentially come back together with their original partners. 
Yeah. Seems like a bad idea to me, but it is very good yeah. television. It's interesting. I think that in my mind, it was actually like the way that I conceived of the show was that they would all just live together, but then be tempted by like the the partners of the other people on the island. You know what I mean? Mm. More akin yeah, to yeah, yeah. Netflix's The Ultimatum, perhaps. Um, but they actually are given a like a whole roster of hot singles who are just like laser focused on getting them to hook up. So <laughs> it's a different vibe. Um, so who would do this having having watched? It seems like predominantly people who have been cheated on or are in some capacity really insecure in their relationship and are perhaps looking looking for a way out or looking for like some outside source of like to be the arbiter of whether this relationship is worth salvaging. Yeah, it seems to me like a good am- they all are like, "Oh, I love this person so much. I want to spend my life with them." And then their sec- the second thing they say is like I used to always catch him texting girls or like I don't know if I'm if I can really trust him. And so it just seems like a sort of controlled environment where they they can be like will my partner cheat if given the opportunity yeah, really like, will or can I really trust them? just confirm that my partner is the piece of shit I suspect they might be. Right. It reminded me of this um article I read in Input Mag uh, a few weeks ago about loyalty testers on social media this kind of like booming trend of like tiktokers who you can hire to slide into the dms of your partner and flirt with them to see if like the kind of the professionalized level up of having your friend do it i need to get into this subculture of tiktok i need to watch these this is gonna be my new thing yeah you need to get someone to slide into adam's dms and you know create a whole literally relationship like of all the things i could (laughs) that i'm worried about in our relationship uh, (laughs) let's just say this is certainly not one of them if you date someone who like doesn't particularly enjoy meeting new people (laughs) and doesn't really use social media you don't really have to worry about yeah I can't think of anything that sounds, like, less appealing than hooking up with someone that slid into my DMs, and I feel like Adam Oh, yeah. Nightmare. Yeah. I know I have to, like, talk to this person. Exactly. Um, But so this is a thing. I feel like it's maybe a response to the way that social media makes it easier to cheat, and, like, also the fact that we have such a such an atomized culture that's like you you are dating someone you met on an app and then maybe you could hook up with someone you met on an app and they would never have to know about each other but it's also easy to bust people by sliding into ding, their ding, dms ding. pretending you're someone else do you think that that's why temptation island has had this successful resurgence like it's almost tapping into something that people are feeling because it's already i think lasted longer than it did the first time around. Yeah, the first iteration, there were three seasons, and this is season four of the reboot. I do think so. I do think part of it is that we're all just a lot more used to these really ludicrous, high-concept dating competition shows. (laughs) But I, I also think that that is part of it, that there is this sense of lack of trust and, um, fear in dating now that, like, that, it's hard to feel um, 
secure in relationships when there are so many ways for your partner to meet other people and make other connections and to see if they have other options. And so I I do feel like Temptation Island feels like not such a weird concept if, if you are dating in this kind of world where you constantly feel like you have to be on your guard for like hot people sliding into your partner's DMs. No, I totally agree. I think you you have really hit the nail on the head there. It's uh, it it made me understand the show uh, in a different way. Once I saw how many of them genuinely were just like, I just don't trust my partner, but I love him and I want to stay with him forever. The other, I guess, the other thing is like people who are like, we have this great trusting relationship, but we're too comfortable. My partner doesn't like romance me enough. They don't challenge me enough, and. Maybe if they, like, see what they're missing. Will this help us get out of a rut, right. essentially? Yeah. And that's like probably swinging. the only type of couple that should stay, that should maybe stay together. Yeah, I would say there's one couple that I was like, maybe you can stay together. I, I'll consider yeah. it. <laughs> should we discuss the couples? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um the couples, let's start with the one that has been together the longest and that I feel like could maybe make it work. Ashley and Lascelles. They've been together seven years. They live in Queens. They're my favorites. Yeah. They seem to mostly be there because they have been together since they were like 20 years old and they feel like they're a little codependent, a little enmeshed, and they don't want to break up, but they're also trying to think of a way to kind of grow outside of the relationship and maybe take a little bit more energy back into it. And I understand that. I think it, it must be easy to fall into those patterns when you are so young, when you get together, that you kind of like grow. If you're growing together, you can also kind of grow into each other. And I think that is can be hard long-term when you're looking at the rest of your life and being like, well, who am I as a person? Like, what do I want? How do I gain a sense of excitement within this relationship if we've just sort of, like, meshed into one person? Yeah, absolutely. And I I understand where some – I mean, a lot of them are pretty young. I understand yeah. that feeling um, of being like, oh, I'm in my early 20s. Or I'm in my later 20s, but I've been with the same person since I was almost a teenager. Shouldn't I have had some time to explore other things? Like, do I really know what I'm getting into with the rest of my life if if I don't? But at the same time, like, it's scary to be in a relationship that you want to last and to think the trade-off is breaking up or never having that exploration. And you're like, what if we just went to Temptation Island? (laughs) Nothing could go wrong. Nothing could go wrong. (laughs) And so this brings us to Iris and Luke, who have been together for four years. This was one of the ones that it was like, oh, they seem to really be into each other. So like, why are they here? And then you learn like 20 minutes in, like, oh, Luke has a habit of just texting girls and he sort of thinks that it's Iris's fault for being hot. Yeah. (laughs) I'm like, okay, you need to break up. Yeah. Like she's like, we broke up twice our first year of dating because I kept finding that out that he was texting other girls. And he's like, yeah, Iris gets a lot of attention from other men. And that's why 
I feel like I have to text other girls and it's not healthy. And I'm like, yeah, Luke, it's not healthy. It's also not Iris's fault. So you're like, that's really on you, bud. They've been together for four years. Like I I want them to break up. Yeah, me too. I, I, they also have this component of their relationship that is about emotional vulnerability. And Iris will say like, Luke doesn't open up enough emotionally and I need more from him. This is a not, this is a, a common refrain that yeah. I think we hear here. Yeah. We also hear it from Ashley and LaSalle's a little yeah. bit. Um, and we also like at first I, Luke is like she needs more from me. I want I don't want her to feel like in doubt about how I feel because I can't open up. And then like one day into the experiment he's like mad at her because she's actually the one who makes him feel bad about not opening up enough. And this one girl that he spoke to for 5 minutes was much nicer about it. Yeah, and crazy. Like, wow, you're so open. You opened up to me so much in this one conversation. Yeah, and he's like that is <sighs> I Something I was really thinking about watching Temptation Island is that, like, this really uh, allows men to fall prey to the high-fidelity conundrum, right? Mm -hmm. Like, the, uh, have you seen High Fidelity? Oh, I have. Or read read High Fidelity? Both. Yeah. (laughs) Both, yes. Um, I've also seen the new High Fidelity. I'm a High Fidelity. Oh, yes, and and the new High Fidelity. Right. There's been a lot of High Fidelity content, (laughs) but... What I mean by this is the I'm specifically thinking of like the John Cusack character in the original film adaptation and he's like has this realization it takes him the entire movie to realize that like oh a random hot woman that flatters your ego and that you have two conversations with is actually a figment of your imagination and if you actually dated this person they would also turn into a real human being with needs and desires that might at times conflict with yours and i think that i think this is a thing that some of that these men not to make a vast generalization but i think that men are more easily kind of baited into and specifically in this environment yeah, I I found that that kept coming up for me as well. It's really weird to watch it in practice because none of them ever seem to really question it. Like, they have one day or two days of living with these 12 singles of the opposite uh, gender, and these singles are all picking who they're most into and then making a really hard play. You know, they're competing with all these women they're, or, or men. They're also competing with the quote-unquote ex, like the the current actual partner. partner. And so they're all just like going all in, being like, look at me, I'm hot, I'm cute. Um, I understand your emotional ex- issues that your girlfriend or boyfriend doesn't. And the coupled people are all just like, whoa, in one conversation with this person, I felt more understood and appreciated than I have with my current partner in so long. It's like, yeah, because they're just saying whatever they think you want to hear right now. Like, they're not <laughs> right, in a position that's the yet. the whole game. They're not in a position yet. Like, Luke is having these they conversations with these women who are just like, oh, my God, I'm so proud of you for how expressive you are. And, like, I would never tell you that you're not emotionally expressive enough because you're amazing. You're doing so good. And then he's, like, <laughs> weeping and being like, Iris makes me feel so bad for not being open enough. And that's why I have to text other girls. And, like, <laughs> it's really all her fault. And I'm just like, 
these women have never been in a situation with you where they have felt like you weren't saying something or expressing something emotionally that they needed because they just met you like five minutes ago. So they're not reacting with any of the baggage of your relationship that Iris exactly. is. And he it doesn't make me crazy. It. Well, because he's just like, oh, my ego is being really flattered by these hot ladies. Which, again, sign, break up. Break the fuck up with him, Iris. Yeah, they definitely should all break up. It's it's a very weird, weird dynamic. And it does sort of bring to mind the puritanical mindset that I think I came from when I first heard about the show. It actually does really play into that. Because not only are these potential new partners all flattering them, There's a lot of sexuality involved in it. It's a lot of like, oh, I can tempt you away from your committed relationship by showing skin, by showing boobs, by showing muscle, and by, you know, making you feel really good and kind of playing into this archetype of like the seductive other woman or other man in this case. But it really does like play exactly into that mold. Oh, yeah. It's like, will this hot, sexy temptress be able to sway? <laughs> this Jezebel. Or like, yeah, this Jezebel will, this is a test. And can, will you be able to pass it? Are you a strong enough man to resist the call of the siren? <laughs> like, that's really what it feels like. Exactly. And the dynamic d- isn't exactly the same with the women. Like, there is a lot of sexuality and sexual exploration involved there. But there's also... It feels like, like, you see Iris being like, it's really hard because I had, like, a tough emotional conversation with this guy that I connected with. Yeah. No, it's true. The women are definitely often responding to, and we'll get to Ash, who was an exception. The women are often responding more explicitly to, like, this guy sat with me and listened and made me feel heard. But they are also falling into the exact same trap of, like, this guy made me feel heard, and I felt that connection in one conversation that I haven't felt in seven years with LaSalle's. And it's like, well, Ashley, like, that's because he's trying to impress you. I actually loved that because then she went on a date with that guy (laughs) and was like, wait, we have nothing in common. I don't even like him. Yeah, she was like, did I imagine our connection? And like, like, yeah, you're picking up on it. Like, at least you're you're getting there. Like, oh, wait, I don't have any sort of foundation with this person. And having one good conversation, sure, could be an indication that you have a spark and could build a lasting relationship. But it's certainly not a guarantee. Should we talk about... Jillian and Edgar, our sweet young couple. Oh, they're so young. Edgar is 23. Jillian is 21. They are were high school sweethearts, or college sweethearts, rather. They've been together for three or four, four years. years. On the show, they it says it said four years on Wikipedia, but on the show, they said almost three years. Oh. Okay, well, they've been together for a few years. <laughs> yeah. A bunch of years, and they're very young. That's what's important here. I have such a soft spot for them, I think partly because of their youth. I know, me too. They're so they're so sweet and dumb. <laughs> Edgar really wants commitment from Jillian and Jillian but is also like, previously cheated on her. Yeah. They both maybe had violated trust in the past. It sounds like from what transpires through the first couple episodes, it sounds like he cheated on her and she had Maybe after that, maybe sort of in response to that, got into an ongoing 
text situation with an ex that was inappropriate. And, but they also like have given each other promise rings. And he's like, I want to marry her. But Jillian is like, I want to be single in my 20s, but also I love Edgar so much. But also, can I ever trust him again? And he's like, It's I a don't very know. classic problem being yeah. so young and being like, it, Do I need, do, do we as individuals need to have the space right now to like explore other things in our lives? But also, yeah. it's very hard, understandably, to leave a relationship that you think could be the relationship you want to enter into for the rest of your life. Like, I I don't know what I would do. And it's like relationships like these that make me honestly glad that I was just like on and off single for years in my youth. Oh, yeah. Like, I didn't have to like be like, am I too young for this commitment? Because like no one was trying to like commit to me for that long. I definitely would have just like if I were in a remotely stable relationship when I was 23, I would have gotten married probably. Like I, I don't know if think it would have been a good idea probably but um my my college sweetheart did not did not desperately long for me to commit (laughs) um so you know he did us both a massive favor um but I do have such a soft spot for Edgar which is going to contrast to how I feel about the final man we'll talk about Edgar is just so floppy haired and boyish and like wiry and sweet. Adorable. And like just definitely reminds me of a guy I would have had a crush on in college. And he is like, in contrast to some of the guys who struggle to access their emotional side for their partners, very emotional. The emotions are all on the surface. And the single women just fucking love it. Oh, yeah. He's like in a corner being like, I just miss Jillian. And they're like, which one of us? can tempt you your heart (laughs) and yeah because that's what you want ultimately you want the guy who just like is really devoted and soppy but like he's just with the wrong woman and you're just gonna convince him that he needs to direct that to you instead and it's a little more work but it pays off uh down the line and um at their first, like, so basically they both, they live separately in the two camps, the women with the single men and the men with the single women. And then um, at the bonfire each week, each person in a couple sees a clip of what their partner has been up to. That is brutal. Sp- supposed this is to the most brutal some, thing. Oh, awful. And there's a wide variance in how brutal they are. Wide variance, and also, like, the clips are obviously out of context. Yeah. So, not that, like, it would be easier necessarily, but, like, because you only see one thing, it implies that, like, this is the tone of the entire last, you know, like, four days. Yeah. That you're partner's been having yeah and it's it's interesting what they pick like for some people uh at the first bonfire it was like um a a sort of physical connection that their partner was having for other people it was just them having a really nice conversation with someone else and being like i feel really connected to you and for uh for edgar what he saw was jillian who had basically before they parted ways, sobbed and been like, I don't want to lose you. Like, you're everything to me. These guys are just like, uh, they can never compare. And so this is the first thing he's seeing from her since that. And it's her talking to this cute firefighter, Tommy, and basically being like, I would have had a crush on him. Oh, yeah, he's cute. (laughs) 
um, if I had to pick between Tommy and Edgar as a 21-year-old, I would be happy. And she's showing him her promise ring from Edgar and being like, I don't even know why I wear this anymore. Like, should I wear it? Is it silly to wear it? Like, I don't know. Like, he, like, cheated on me, but, like, he wants to marry me. I don't know. It's like, should I just, like, take the ring off? And Edgar just, like, is his face is like a mask of tears after this. He's just like, that promise ring meant everything to me. And like, she doesn't even want it anymore. And I was oh, like, whoa, I was not expecting that response. This is going to end so oh, badly for them. God. Like, I am worried. I think part of both of us, like, wants these two to make it because they both seem like genuinely sweet, not like dirt baggy people. They're just young. But they're just doing stupid they're just young really people young. Shit. They're just really young. And I'm kind of like... Maybe you should break up. They should. They should. But, like, <sighs> I guess I don't fault them as much for their messy history because they, oh, they are so young. And maybe I'm a sucker, but they seem like like sweethearts. And I, I want them they do. to be happy. They do. And also when you, again, saw the full context of Jillian having that conversation, she wasn't like, fuck this ring. Fuck Edgar. I don't want him. She was just like, this is weird. Should I be wearing this here? Like... Yeah. Is it, like, what, like, should I even be, like, what's the role here? Like, they're all sort of being, like, how single am I? It's, yeah. it's confusing to n- navigate. That's a weird thing about the show is that, like, there's no clear explanation for how single they're supposed to be. Like, are they supposed to be acting committed but then getting tempted? Or is the idea that they act single but then it they're clearly like it's not? It seems like left to each couple to kind of negotiate that, like, what the boundaries are. But right. But a lot of them haven't really done that well. Like, we see a lot of conversations before the experiment starts. Which is like, just don't hurt me. Yeah, just don't hurt me. Or just, like, you know, explore. But, like, you know, don't go too far. And no clear boundaries are really being drawn. I think for a lot of them, it's... It's because it's like the it's like the Susie thing. It's like if I tell you what the test is, it won't mean as much if you pass it. I just want right. to see if you just naturally pass the test by being the right person for me. Um, let's talk about Hanya and Ash, who have been together one and a half years. Our biggest enemy for last. Hanya is garbage. Garbage. Absolute and utter trash. Ash needs to just take him out to the dumpster, never look back. Ash needs to take her full bicep length Daria tattoo and walk out She's the door. She's so hot. Ash is, She's like, gorgeous. very hot. And Hanya is... Mm, Hanya... Hanya... Hanya looks like he would be, like, at your friend's party because he's just started dating her and he's wearing, like, maybe a poncho and his hair is, like, long but he doesn't maybe like condition it enough and he wants you to like drink his homemade kombucha and then when your friend goes to the bathroom he like hits on you Hanya's like that guy that's like I'm such a nice guy I'm just like going with the spirits I'm just like so in touch with the earth and the emotions and the spirituality around me and that's why I had to just like fucking cheat on you like yeah. but it's not even cheating because it was just like my soul was pulled to that soul and like we all should just commune together. Yeah, it's like it's really violence against my spirit to have to engage in these arbitrary rules like you can't touch my friend's 
butt when I'm out of the room because we're supposed to be in an exclusive relationship. Like that is just so close-minded and it's stifling. That's Hanya. And then Ash is this really hot, cool, but unfortunately willing to buy into Hanya's bullshit sort of lady. (laughs) She clearly has a type. Yeah. Who's, we don't share the same taste in men. I'll put it that way. (laughs) And that's fine. But I just, that's fine. I just want better for her. Yeah. Than Hanya. She and, and Hanya have been dating for just a year and a half. And like, there's no rut here. I think the issue in their relationship is that, I think the primary issue seems to be that she moved to New York. And You know, they're from Santa Fe, I think. And he's a garden designer. So obviously he's not going to move to New York because no one has a garden big enough to need designing here. And Ash is like a writer and like content creator. So she moved to New York for work. And now they're in a long distance relationship. And he's like, I'm just very physical. And like, I just need to have that like touch and closeness. And like, maybe we should have an open relationship. And... Ash has some reservations about that. And so they're like supposed to be sort of figuring out whether their relationship is strong enough for the kind I'm gonna of I'm going to say that uh, open relationships involve, again, a lot of communication, consent, clear guardrails. Like, <laughs> so I don't know that Temptation Island is really a one-to-one with just an open relationship that you have control over setting the boundaries for, but... In Hanya's world, it probably is similar. I think that for Ash, I can definitely see the appeal because when you're long distance and you don't really trust your partner, you know, you don't. You're like, how do you check so in? How do you know? check in? Like, right. Like, you're never going to know what he's getting. Yeah, she's while like, you're there's there. a record of this. I, right. I really hope that this is just her, like, that she needed that artificial push to say goodbye. We don't want the same things. I'm going to go live my life and thrive. And you should go sit at home with her crystals. She's going to meet so many cool jerks in New York, just like Hanya. (laughs) She doesn't need this one. And I think that, like, what she sees at the first bonfire is Hanya telling some of the women who inexplicably are interested in him that he's just sort of an out-of-sight, out-of-mind kind of person. And, you know, he's very physical and, like, if he's not seeing you, he's not really thinking about you. And so he's just focused on the here and now. And Ash is like, wow, must be nice to be able to dispose of people that easily. And the fact that like she's already able to articulate how like fucked up that sentiment is this early in the process does not give me... um a sense that their relationship will be surviving this and it shouldn't. So I'm glad. Um, break up, break, break up. up. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. Like you want to be in a long distance relationship and you think that like the fact that you're an out of sight, out of mind kind of guy will be fixed by having an open relationship. So you can also just like fuck other women while she's not there. Like You still need to be able to think about her. Like that's not how this works. Like if it's really out of sight, out of mind, then you need to break yeah. up with her. It's like, in fact, the thought needs to be more intentional, not less. Right. 
it's like, oh yeah, I've been in an open relationship uh, with my long distance girlfriend for six years. And like, I don't know, I haven't spoken to her in months. Like, but it's cool because that's just the kind of progressive setup we have. No, like you have to be thinking very intentionally about her. I don't like Hanya. Um, I don't like his whole shtick. And I don't understand why anyone would go for it. So you get a very clear sense of, like, my type and my anti-type from Edgar and Hanya. And we'll just see if my instincts are right as the season goes on. Honestly, I'm so into it. And I will definitely be watching. Um, Hopefully, you guys let us know if you want us to keep kind of intermittently checking in with Temptation Island and seeing how our favorite and least favorite fucked up couples are are faring in in paradise yeah i'm definitely going to keep watching so let us know if you want to hear our thoughts (laughs) and on that note that's it for love to see it with emma and claire love to see it is produced by us claire fallon and emma gray and stitcher this episode was edited by tamika weatherspoon our theme music is by Tamar Haviv, and our art is by Celine Chang. Josephine Martirana is our executive producer. If you like the show, please rate us five stars and leave a review. And of course, help us spread the word about our show, especially to any of your friends who used to listen to us as Here to Make Friends. If you want to get in touch, you can email us at clareandemmapod at gmail.com with your questions, voice memos, and suggestions for shows you'd like to see us cover in the Bachelor offseason. You can also find us on Twitter at Love to See It Pod and Instagram at Claire and Emma Pod. And you can find our newsletter, both audio and written, on Substack at clareandemma.substack.com. Our latest subscribers-only podcast is about Bridgerton. I'm also on Twitter and Instagram at EmmaLadyRose. And I'm at Claire E. Fallon. We'll be back next week with more gossip and more of the courtship. And if you'd like to hear more about Temptation Island, let us know. Stitcher. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. I'm Alex Schwartz. I'm Nomi Fry. I'm Vincent Cunningham, and this is Critics at Large, a New Yorker podcast for the culturally curious. Each week, we're going to talk about a big idea that's showing up across the cultural landscape, and we'll trace it through all the mediums we love. Books, movies, television, music, art. And I always want to talk about celebrity gossip, too. Of course. We hope you'll join us for new episodes each Thursday. Follow Critics at Large today, wherever you get podcasts.